What a great song. How many of you like that last song that we sang? Just perfect. I, I texted her yesterday and said, Kim, do you take requests? Because based on what we're going to be talking about tonight, I thought that would be the perfect song. Plus, I was at a conference uh, this uh, weekend where there was a lot of heavy stuff presented. I really enjoyed uh, sitting in on some of my favorite prophecy experts and listening to them speak. And I just thought, boy, we need the Holy Spirit to really uh, manifest himself uh, in fresh new ways. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit's always here, but w what the implications of that song and that prayer, who, who sings that? Not, not Natalie Grant. Uh, oh, yeah. Valerie Burton. No, not Valerie. Francesca Battistelli or something. Anyway, great song. I'm not sure if she wrote it, but great song. And uh, I think the implications of it are, you know, we, we want you to come and have your way. We want you to, we want to surrender. We want to be, you know, walking in the spirit and sensitive to what your leadership is. So we are at part six uh, tonight of why Bible prophecy matters now more than ever. And I think you'll see as we go through this tonight why I thought that song was appropriate and why it came to mind. But let's take a moment to just review. As I mentioned, I've got about 15 or 16 different themes that we will eventually go through in the weeks to come if the Lord doesn't come back before then. Uh, and the first one was how the stage is being set prophetically. Now, I recognize, of course, that in, in one sense, everything we're going to be talking about for weeks and weeks obviously relates to Bible prophecy. But specifically, we looked at several Bible prophecies uh, and, and how current events clearly sets the stage for those prophecies. So we talked about uh, how Israel has to be a nation once again in order for the Antichrist to rebuild the temple and set up shop there, and of course for Christ to come back and reign and rule from the temple. We talked about the Battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and how that's being uh, sort of set, uh, the stage is being set for that. Uh, we talked about the rise of the Antichrist and his uh, sidekick, the false prophet, and all the prophecies related to that. We talked about the depopulation movement and increasing deception and the one world government. So all of those, and there's much more that we'll touch on as we go through, but I wanted to start with, with those as we talked about how the stage is being set prophetically. And tonight, I hope to get through the next two. You know, some of these we'll spend one week on, some of them we'll spend multiple weeks on. But if I'm able, we'll get through two tonight, and I want to start with how the stage is being set geologically. And so let's start with some scripture and kind of explain where I'm coming from when I talk about uh, geology and prophecy. So we, we certainly need to understand that when sin entered the world, it affected more than simply Adam and Eve and their relationship with the Lord. Sin brought a curse on all of creation. And that's the reason that Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Uh, it's because of sin that we have natural disasters, that we have uh, you know, poisonous plants, that we have dangers, we have atmospheric dangers. Uh, the whole earth is struggling. And what we're going to show tonight is uh, the ways in which it seems like the earth is trembling more and more and getting more and more ripe for that time when Christ will come back and ultimately bring judgment on all of creation and then recreate the earth in sinless perfection. Now, I want you to remember that phrase there at the end there. It's not highlighted, but where it says, uh, groans and labors with birth pangs. 
birth pangs. Because Jesus uses the same phrase in his Olivet Discourse. So we'll go to Matthew 24. Uh, here I'm reading from the New King James, uh, which is my usual translation, unless I indicate otherwise on the screen. And the New King James translates that word sorrows. It's the word Odin that's translated birth pangs here in Romans 8. But in Jesus' Olivet Discourse, it's translated in English here by the New King James translators as the beginning of sorrows. If you have another English translation like the NASB or the ESV or the NIV, it's going to say most likely the beginning of birth pangs or birth pains, right? But so same word, but let's read what Jesus has to say. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows, or Odin there, or uh, birth pangs. Now, in the context, Jesus here is talking about the types of things that will happen specifically during the final seven-year period, the 70th week of Daniel. I believe, as you've probably heard me uh, teach before, that the entire uh, uh, Olivet Discourse relates to the future seven-year period. Uh, some scholars uh, take in Matthew's account, anyway, verses 4 through 8 of referring to the church age and then beginning in verses 9 and the rest of the chapter, indeed the rest of the Olivet Discourse, dealing with Israel and the future uh, tribulation period. I see the whole thing as dealing with the future tribulation uh, period, but it doesn't really matter because whether Jesus is speaking specifically of a rise in these types of things during that seven years or not, either way, if we're seeing a rise in them today, it's a clue or an indication that we're getting closer and closer. Does that make sense? In other words, as we've said, if the stage is being set for events that will take place during the tribulation, then it, it could indicate that we're getting closer to the tribulation. And of course, if we're getting closer to the tribulation, that means we're getting closer to the rapture, which happens before the tribulation. So it's all kind of a, a domino effect. So this is an interesting phrase that Jesus uses here. Now, We've already seen that Paul used it in Romans 8. Paul uses it again in the famous uh, fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, where he has a lot to say about the rapture and the day of the Lord and those things. And listen to what he says. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains, same word, here it's translated labor pains, Odin is the Greek word, upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So it's a, a very... Uh, interesting metaphor, because obviously if we know much about labor, you know, a, a, a woman gets pregnant and roughly nine months later, give or take, she's going to give birth if all goes as, as planned. Um, along the way, she's going to start having labor pains. And when the labor pains start, unless they're, you know, fake labor pains, I forget what those are called, Braxton Hicks, is that what it's called? Um, Unless they're the, you know not the real ones. Once you the real ones come, you know it's it's really really getting close, and so uh, you know the second coming, which is what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew's account, uh, is in fact going to occur at a predictable time, the same way you know a woman gives birth at a predictable time, right? If you get pregnant, you you know you're not talking. 15 years later, you're going to have the baby, right? Thank goodness, right? You know, roughly nine months, right? Sometimes you have premature delivery. Sometimes you go longer. But generally speaking, if there's a timetable. Same thing's going to be true in the tribulation period. Even though from God's perspective, the clock starts ticking 
when that peace treaty is signed, when, when the Antichrist signs that seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel, um, and so if you know precisely when the pen hits the paper and, or they shake hands or whatever it is, you could calculate precisely when the, the second coming is going to happen. Nevertheless, there's going to be so much chaos on the earth as the Antichrist uh, you know, presides over this reign of terror for seven years, That plus there's going to be unprecedented deception uh, like never before on planet earth, that most of the Jews will not see it coming, which is precisely why Jesus warns them again and again in this final message the night before he was betrayed on Thursday in the garden uh, uh, to be not deceived and to be ready and to be watchful. So the point is, from a prophetic perspective, uh, Jesus here is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he's using a phrase that comes up again and again in the Old Testament, specifically to speak to the nation of Israel about that final seven-year period. So let me be clear. The birth pangs are the seven-year tribulation. That being said, if we're seeing signs that indicate those types of birth pangs, which we're going to look at each of these a little closer detail tonight, the famines, the pestilences, and earthquakes, if we're seeing indications that those things are on the upsurge, that could mean that we're getting closer and closer to the actual birth pangs. But let's look at some Old Testament references here. For example, the prophet Isaiah, again speaking of that future day of the Lord's wrath, the tribulation period, says, they will be afraid, pangs and sorrows will take hold of them, and they will be in pain as a woman in childbirth, and they will be amazed at one another, and their faces will be like flames. Later, Isaiah, again, uses the same metaphor, and as a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near the time of her de delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. So these birth pangs are the indications that the, the coming final return of Christ to inaugurate the kingdom and defeat the Antichrist uh, is near. Jeremiah uses the same uh, thing. We have heard the report of it. Our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. So if we go back to Jesus' words here in the uh, Olivet Discourse, he is speaking about what will be the sign of your coming. The disciples wanted to know what will, how will we know when you're about to come back and, and, and usher in the kingdom. And then he gives all of these uh, signs and these details and these indications that, you know, these are the things to watch for. And when you see these things, you know that I'm near, uh, even at the door. And he refers to these as the beginning of the sorrows. So that's why I believe in Matthew 24, verse 4, when he begins to, he starts out with, take heed that no one deceive you. Many will come in my name and there'll be false Christ and there'll be this and there'll be that. There'll be famines, pestilence. All these are the beginning of of the birth pangs, and they will last for seven years, and then finally, so to speak, the birth will happen, the return of Christ will happen. So the question then is, are we seeing anything today prior to the rapture, in the lead up to the tribulation, that indicates uh, these birth pangs could be right around the corner? And the answer is, is a resounding yes. Let's take famines to begin with. So many experts are referring to 2023 as the year of global hunger. We see all kinds of things impacting uh, food shortages. And we're going to talk about some of those next. But we see, uh, you know, uh, drought. We see uh, disasters. We see, of course, a lot of it's manipulated by uh, the Luciferians who are trying to, you know, kill people, as I talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago here on Prophecy Night when we talked about depopulation. Uh, but what about pestilences? 
Are we seeing pestilences? Absolutely. We see food processing plants and distribution centers are burning to a crisp and rapid succession, which is really uh, a strange uh, phenomenon. I don't really want to call it a phenomena because it's not phenomenalistic. It's actually you know, earthly and, and intentional and uh, you know, set up. But it's really been growing since 2021. Um, and so you see you know, food processing plants catching fire. Here's just some headlines from the last year. Uh, chicken farms burn and trains derail. This was in Minnesota. You see in Europe, factories are forced to close due to in energy costs and shortages. You see meat and food plant fires and thousands of sheep uh, drowning in this particular story. In Kansas, you see thousands of cattle dying. That was really strange last year. Uh, a lot of even mainstream coverage of that. Um, and they said it was the heat. Remember that? All these, you know, like cattle have never experienced heat before. I mean, when have we seen thousands of cattle just go <laughs> fall over dead? Oh, it was just a little too hot for them. I don't think so. Uh, Bill Gates is, uh, uh, Bill Gates funded a grocer burns down. Uh, Oregon flour mill is destroyed in a fire. Um, the largest produce plant in the world catches on fire in France. One of the largest, just a couple months ago or a month or so ago, one of the largest U.S. egg suppliers burns to the ground. Remember when egg prices started going up? So Hillsdale, uh, I'm sorry, Hillendale Farms um, housed, it was a 400 uh, by 150 foot plant uh, and it housed 100,000 egg laying hens and they caught fire and were killed. So, of course, we're seeing these types of things. And then earthquakes. Earthquakes. And this is fascinating. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with uh, the exponential rise in earthquakes. So they started uh, keeping track in 1935 with the Richter scale. And so if you go back to 1935 uh, through uh, 2022, uh, you can see here, and I've got some more charts I'm going to put up. Uh, but this, by the way, is from earthquake.usgs.gov um, and from another uh, source that also collated and was talking about this, tracking Bible prophecy. Um, but the blue is, is uh, 5.0 or higher uh, earthquakes. The red is 6.0 and the green is 7.0. So let's take the 5.0 first and you can see in recent years there's been an, an incredible spike. And this isn't technological because we've had the Richter scale since 1935. This is exactly what Paul was talking about in Romans 8 with the earth groaning and trembling. Uh, here's a 6.0 uh, earthquakes, right? Uh, and again, you see a, 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 an increase, especially in recent years. Um, and then as far as 7.0, based on the historical record of impact, we can actually go back well before uh, the dawn of the Richter scale and, and science and technology because a 7.0 uh, earthquake is going to do colossal damage and it's going to be reflected in the historical record. You're going to see it in ancient historical documents and uh, people talking about it because of the loss of life and, and, and devastation. And so this particular study goes back to uh, you know, the last 2,000 years and shows the increasing intensity. And I just I love this visual here. In, in, you know, really in the last few centuries and particularly in the 21st century. Now, why is that? I think most people 
miss the fact that there, this is, as I've talked about in my Spirit of the Antichrist books, a spiritual battle at its core. You know, Satan was doing battle with God in the heavenlies completely apart from mankind. He staged a coup. Remember that? He wanted the throne. He wanted to break the controls of God's power. And that coup attempt failed, obviously, because God is God and Satan is not. Uh, and since then, he's been setting his sights on the earth, which is what the Luciferian conspiracy is all about. David talks about it in Psalm 2. It's been raging for 6,000 years. But it is, at its core, a spiritual battle. It's a battle that rages in the unseen realm. And it goes way beyond just the Luciferian elite and the Klaus Schwabs and Bill Gateses of the world. There is something that we can't see beneath the earth and in the heavenlies. And, and, you know, that's why I make a big deal in chapters 9 and 10 of volume 2 of Spirit of the Antichrist of the rise in phenomena and paranormal activity. I mean, think about it. Until uh, 2017, when the New York Times in December 16th issue of, of the New York Times broke the story of the modern, you, you know, the UFO issue that was now six years and running, um, Nobody was talking about it. You were a tinfoil hat nutcase if you ever brought up UFOs. Well, I've been a tinfoil hat nutcase for 20 years talking about it because I know it's demonic. I know it's, you know, dimensional, and I know it's real. I mean, they've been tracking these things through Project Blue Book, Project Grunge, all the stuff that I talk about in the books for decades, and it started around World War II uh, with the Foo Fighters and some of the other manifestations that all of these credentialed pilots, they're certainly not nutcases, nut right? These are credentialed, highly, you know, decorated service men and women. And, uh, and then by 1947, you see the dawn of the modern UFO uh, era with uh, the uh, Roswell and Kenneth Arnold sightings, which I talk a lot about in the books. And then it's just been, you know, increasing ever since then. I mean, hundreds of thousands of documents, millions of documents housed in warehouses that because the Air Force and the military has been tracking them in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and, and they've been denying that they were doing that, but of course those who pay attention uh, and take the time to research it knew they were. There were enough leaked documents and whistleblowers and things like that, but recently for the first time in 50 years we have public congressional hearings on UFOs. Why is that? This isn't just some I mean, it's a conspiracy of sorts because it's a part of the Luciferian conspiracy, but it's not, as some people naively suppose, just some intentional big plan to make up stuff so that they have a pretext to explain away the rapture. No, this is a spiritual battle with spiritual entities doing battle in the heavenlies, just like Michael the archangel has, and, and it's manifesting itself. So that's in the atmosphere. We're going to talk more about the atmosphere in just a moment, uh, but, but also beneath the earth. That's why you see unidentified submersible objects, USOs. And Commander David Fravor, whom uh, Tucker Carlson has interviewed extensively many times, and I have some transcripts of that in the books, talked about seeing these, you know, unknown phenomena, you know, UAPs, unknown aerial phenomena, just disappear beneath the sea, and even beneath the sea, going at speeds that are physically impossible for any machine to, opt to, to go that fast, you know, fit, you know, with with physics, you know, with the the uh, resistance of the water, and yet here they are. What is that? It's dimensional. It's not little green aliens from Mars. It's demonic. It's spiritual. And so, to me, this is a really powerful uh, 
statistic to show that not only are we seeing, as we've seen in these previous charts, an increase in the number of these earthquakes worldwide, but we're seeing an increase in the intensity of them. And then here's another chart. Uh, these are earthquakes 6.5 or higher based that resulted on the loss of life. And so again, you're seeing a greater impact. So, you know, is the stage being set uh, geologically? It sure seems like it. We see a number of factors that indicate the earth is running its course. The earth is getting ready for Christ to come back and make all things new. And then the third thing I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll spend the rest of our time tonight on this, and that is how the stage is being set atmospherically. Now, if you didn't already think that I was uh, weird, uh, I'm going to give you some more fodder, okay? Because I don't know if you've been keeping up, but in the last five or six years in particular, there has been a growing phenomena. And by the way, we're, we're going to get into, and in the books I get into, cattle mutilations and demonic entities and crop circles and all those types of things. Uh, but I didn't touch on this in the book. I just didn't have time to deal with all of it, and I hope to do a, another whole book dealing with these phenomena. But uh, these are the kinds of things that people are reporting. Mainstream news, local news are reporting. People are getting calls to 9-11, I mean to 9-1-1 and, and calling out the authorities and, I mean, flooded. The switchboards are being flooded with calls. So this is not something that's being made up. What am I talking about? Well, for example, trumpet sounds. Anybody heard of this? You're seeing unbelievable increase in people reporting trumpet sounds. Now, you know what a trumpet sounds like. And, uh, you know, they... You know, they're happening by the thousands all across the country and indeed all across the world. Um, and, you know, people go out to investigate and they've, they've tried it. Could it be, you know, that for one, at one point they thought it was underground oil uh, works like fracking and stuff. No, they ruled that out. They thought, could it be, you know, some other weird? No, there's really no logical explanation for it. And the eyewitness testimonies are in the thousands of it. And not just uh, in the... Uh, the, the ground, but also in the sky. You know, people are reporting all kinds of strange sounds, loud booms, uh, for example. And again, it, it shakes their house in some cases, and there's no explanation. I think this is, again, part of the geological and atmospheric setting of the stage. Uh, mysterious loud booms heard across the world in 64 locations, and NASA doesn't even know why. Here's uh, this uh, story. Um, people are reporting, for example, what has come to be called the Seneca guns, loud booms that rattle residents for decades along North Carolina's outer banks, also around New York's Catskill Mountains. I've been up in the Catskills. When I, I grew up in Connecticut in grade school and junior high school, we used to camp in Boy Scouts uh, in the Catskills. I didn't hear anything about that like that. It would have been pretty cool if we had, but I'm not sure I would have had the biblical framework to understand what it was. Uh, Greenland, you know, is reporting uh, deep fog-like uh, noises. Uh, the Bay of Bengal has has what they've called the Bonzal guns. Japan's reporting them. They call them the Yan. Uh, Italy's reporting them. Belgium's reporting them. You're hearing them all over. The Guardian uh, reported, and this was back during the pandemic lockdowns. Uh, the, the headline there is, From Celestial Trumpets to Darth Vader Breathing, Mysterious Noises from Above Have Been Heard Around the World During the Lockdown. Now, why would that be? Remember, 
Uh, and if you haven't read the books, this may sound foreign to you, but go back and read chapter 9 in volume 1, 50 pages on the control of virus scamdemic, and you'll understand that it was pre-planned for 22 years and rolled out right on cue. But when you've got virtually the whole world locked down, you don't think that's an opportunity for Satan's army, uh, the demons, to come out and do some reconnaissance and begin to you know, do the things that they need to do to set in stage the preparation for this final cosmic battle that's, that's going to start after the rapture? Of course it was. There were a lot of other things that were happening then, not just, you know, in the spiritual realm, but even by the Satan's earthly co-conspirators and his accomplices as they were out putting up certain towers and installing certain things in classrooms and stuff like that. But yes, this was during the, the lockdowns and people were baffled by it. So absolutely we're seeing the stage being set in that regard atmospherically. But also, and I want to spend quite a bit of time on this, I didn't get to this, uh, I had hoped to get to more of this in my conference this weekend in Orlando, but I ran out of time. So you are the beneficiary of that because we're going to spend some time uh, talking about how they are poisoning the atmosphere through what the government calls geoengineering. So this is from chapter uh, eight uh, in, I think, I thought it was in cha chapter eight of volume one, but I made a note it was volume two, but I think I'm wrong on that. I think it was volume one, but it's, a ch it's in the chapter title. If you look at, if you go to spiritofantichrist.org, if you don't already have the books and just look at the tables of contents, just search for geoengineering. It's in, in the chapter title. But what is geoengineering? Well, ostensibly, it's a way for the government to solve the climate problem and to rescue us from all of these, you know, climate problems. And so as they have these climate summits again and again and again, year after year, they uh, at first were, <clears throat> were doing the geoengineering surreptitiously, and I'm going to define what that is in a second. And in fact, they were denying that it was going on because it was so dangerous that it would have caused an outcry. But eventually, such as in the 2020 UN uh, conference, they now come right out and say they're doing it. There are government contracts for it. We know at any given time how many planes in the air are doing it. But essentially, that's the reason they're doing the geoengineering is because they say if they don't, the Earth's going to burn up and we're all going to die. So we just need to give all of our money to places like the World Economic Forum, and they will save us. But as with everything from the Luciferians, it's the exact opposite. What they say they're doing to save us, they're really doing to kill us. Remember what Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden. In the day you eat of it, you will not surely die. And yet he knew full well, and so did Adam and Eve, that God had said in the day you eat of it, you will die. So he lies blatantly, and everything they're saying is a lie. When they say, we're doing geoengineering to save you, you need to understand what they mean is they're doing geoengineering to kill you. That's part of the depopulation agenda. Uh, so uh, geoengineering, well, it's the planet, according to Scientific America, uh, it's the planetary scale intervention or tinkering with the planetary processes. And I love that uh, article uh, graphic there that they use showing a wrench kind of toying with uh, the earth. Here's another one. Uh, geoengineering. Geoengineering is real. It's widespread. It's openly admitted. And it's very, very dangerous. If you look it up in some of the congressional hearings and some of the patents and the, the uh, contracts that they've given, the government contracts, you'll, it'll be referred to not only as geoengineering, but as solar radiation management or SRM, climate intervention, weather modification, chemical ice nucleation, sprayed particulate trails, 
atmospheric aerosol saturation, that's a big one, stratospheric sulfate aerosols, and carbon dioxide removal, or uh, CDR. Um, so the term solar radiation management was coined by Ken Caldera of the Carnegie Institution's Department of Global Ecology at Stanford University, and it's an effort to dim the sun's rays by spraying uh, nanoparticles of metal, such as barium, strontium, aluminum, and so forth, in the atmosphere. Um, and again, there, there was a shift about five years ago. Well, let's see if I can see the date on this. Yeah, 2017, time flies. About 2016, 2017, where they went, as they do with everything, from denying, 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 to, come, to coming out and openly admitting it and saying, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it for your own good. And what are you going to do about it? You know, and, and they just completely gloss over the fact that they denied and said they weren't doing it uh, forever. But here's an article that talks about how Harvard scientists launched a $20 million geoengineering program. Um, and uh, they, the, whoever wrote this article, Claire Burnish, according to the uh, byline here, uh, you know, says, oh, it's conspiracy theory no more. Well, it never was a conspiracy theory. It was a conspiracy, but it wasn't a theory. It was a fact. Um, and, and those who took the time to study it know it. So this is really nothing new, the idea of, of toying with the atmosphere for one reason or another. What is new is, is how widespread, global, and powerful and dangerous uh, that it is. But let me give you a few quotes. Here's John Brennan, former CIA director. He said uh, this was during a speech given at the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, and he said, quote, uh, another example is the array of technologies often referred to collectively as geoengineering that could potentially help reverse the warming effect of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, which I mentioned a moment ago. A method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat. He goes on, on the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter the weather pattern and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger, trigger sharp oppositions by some nations. And indeed, that's what's happened. Some smaller nations at the UN, this has been widely reported, when big nations like Russia and China have you know, been doing geoengineering forever, or China, when they hosted the Olympics in Beijing, had an entire whatever modification office. And when the reporters asked, aren't you worried about, you know, too much snow, or what if it doesn't snow? They said, we're not worried at all. We're going to create the snow. We're going to make it snow. We control everything, right? And that wasn't new. That's been going on, and as I'm going to show you in a moment, since the Vietnam War, America's been doing weather, mo weather modification. Um, but at the UN conference uh, meetings, you know, some of these lesser-known nations, you know, less powerful, I should say, nations, you know, raise objections, and, of course, the big world elites just brush them aside, right? Because they, these countries don't have the money and the power and the means to, to do this or to stop it either one. So they're at the mercy. And when these planes fly over and, and, and cover their territories with these nanoparticles, it causes a problem. So you can go online and you can see some of the companies that are uh, being hired to do this. Here's an Oxford geoengineering study. And I've circled on the screen there where they actually show you how they're doing it. And they talk about releasing aerosol particles in the stratosphere. Uh, here's another one. This is from the Royal Society. The Royal Society is a fellowship of many of the world's most eminent scientists. It's the oldest scientific academy in continuous existence today. 
And here they are talking about how they're doing geoengineering. You see the commercial aircraft there retrofit with the nozzles to spray these nanoparticles in the air. Here's another one. This is from Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, where they show you a plane. My, my red uh, circle kind of chopped that plane in half there, but I, I wanted to show you what they're saying. Sulfur aerosols from volcanoes, balloons, and from aircraft. They're spraying it from uh, aircraft. So, um, and this has all kinds of uh, impact, but Encyclopedia Britannica says the idea is to create a dense canopy of heavy metals over our skies for the purpose of reflecting the sun's heat back into space. But the nanoparticles being sprayed into the atmosphere heat up, as metals do when they're exposed to the sun. You ever, you know, touch the hood of your car after it's been sitting out in the, you know, sun, 90 degree weather all, temperature all day? I mean, you can fry an egg on that thing, right? So they, they heat up, and then they, they literally suck the moisture out of the sky. I'm going to say more about this in a moment, but you wonder why we've had off-the-charts, record-setting fires? I've got an admiral, uh, I think he's an admiral in the Navy, uh, who actually talks about how why this is happening. Um, so, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for the droughts that we're seeing uh, happening. Uh, here's another study, uh, Russian Geoengineering Solar Radiation Management Field Experiment. This was from 2005. Um, and then if you go to Scientific American magazine, uh, you know, you've got all kinds of articles, one right after the other. What is geoengineering and why is it considered a climate change solution? Geoengineering could turn the skies white. Could? They absolutely have. Um, this article is saying geoengineering is not a solution to a climate change. Um, some scientists who aren't in the know and aren't part of the conspiracy, you know, actually are honest enough, like some doctors and surgeons and pharmacists and virologists are honest enough, many times at the expense of losing their own jobs, uh, to come out and tell the truth. And so this, that was what was going on there. Here's an article from Scientific American, U.S. blocks U.N. resolution on geoengineering. Of course we did. This is one of those examples where other countries brought some resolution and uh, the U.S. said, no, no, we're, we're, we don't want to do that. Um, here's a, a PBS NewsHour show. Will geoengineering cool the planet, uh, to cool the planet, harm the crops? Um, and uh, it says this, as Earth's temperature steadily climbs and international action to curtail heat-trapping greenhouse gases falters, climate change poses such a, desire, such a dire threat that scientists are now seriously investigating uh, geoengineering as a last-ditch attempt to cool the planet. That's from August 8th, 2018, and it's a blatant lie. I've already shown you they've been talking about it in scientific studies since 2010, openly, right? This isn't a last-ditch effort that just came about in 2018. They've been doing it for decades. You can go to Popular Science Magazine, and I list these in my uh, book in the chapter on geoengineering. It has an entire department and an entire section dedicated to reporting on advancements and news related to the geoengineering World. Just listen to some of these titles. Geoengineers will release tons of sun-reflecting chemicals in the air above New Mexico. Climate-fixing scheme to seed the seas with iron may not work. Rogue geoengineer dumps hundreds of tons of iron off Canada's west coast. Cloud seeding could cool off the seas where hurricanes form, making them weaker. If you haven't figured out by now, they are creating and steering the hurricanes. You, you've been living in a cave. I hate to say it. I don't mean to be rude, 
but uh, these hurricanes going all the way back to Katrina are being steered. It's a technology they've had for decades. I'm going to show you the, the proof of that in just a second. Here's some more uh, articles in this section, and they're new ones that come out every issue. Most people are in favor of wild geoengineering projects. Geoengineering, are weather machines really the answer? Bill Gates's hidden dreams of geoengineering revealed. This is in Popular Science magazine. Bored with PCs, Bill Gates sets his sights on controlling the weather and how Earth-scale engineering can save the planet. And that's just a few uh, of them. So uh, what we need to understand is that this is going on every day. Uh, at, any, on, at any given time, there are 3,000 aircraft. It started out with commercial aircraft. Then once it became out in the open and widely known and reported on, then they started hiring private contractors to do it. They didn't have to do it secretly. They could do it, uh, you know, right, right out in the open. Um, you know, it's, it's hidden in plain sight, I guess is what I'm uh, saying. In fact, for those who simply take the time to look up every now and then, which we don't, do we? We're, our noses are buried in our phones or in our mobile devices, and we, we very seldom... Uh, look up. But if you will look up, you'll notice that elephant in the sky, and it's actually uh, pretty obvious. So I've got lots of pictures that I've taken uh, through the years. Here's some from uh, down in uh, South Fork, Colorado. Uh, here's some from uh, Illinois. Uh, and I think I, I, I know I shared the story two or three years ago when we went through the Spirit of the Antichrist uh, video, 18-week series here at Plum Creek that became the book series. Um, but I'll share it again because I know we've got a lot of new people. But, you know, we were sitting in our house in uh, Illinois and got a knock at the door. It was our mail carrier. She didn't usually come to the door unless maybe she had a bigger package because our mailbox was way at the end of the driveway. We had a, uh, several acres. And, uh, but she came to the door, and she just had regular mail in her hands. And she goes, this is going to sound weird, but I'm out driving all day every day. And I've noticed there's something really funky going on in the skies. Have you guys noticed it? <laughs> and I go, you came to the right place, lady. And I went and got her a copy of my book, The Great Last Day's Deception, uh, and gave it to her. And I told her I've been talking about this uh, for a long time. I once had one of my conference messages edited in post-production because, you know, whenever you speak at a conference, typically they'll turn them into DVDs and sell them. Well, they edited out my whole section on geoengineering because they didn't think it was true. Uh, it was before this had really become that widely known, although there was plenty of evidence for those who take the time to know. Here's more pictures that, uh, that we've taken uh, through the years. Uh, here's some from this past week uh, in Florida at the, uh, atop the Florida Hotel. And it's not just in the United States. It's going on worldwide. Here on the left is Israel. On the right is Poland. On the left here is Italy from just last July. On the right is up in uh, near Steamboat Springs. Uh, and this one is from, I forgot to write it down. Do you remember, Wendy? I think it's Florence. Where? I think it's Florence. Oh, yeah, Florence. Yeah, another one from Florence. Okay. But the bottom line is this is not what partly cloudy looks like. Uh, and it's dangerous. It is uh, dangerous. Uh, and by the way, I took that picture. That was also from Steamboat Springs. Unbelievable. Uh, it is very dangerous to have this aerosol saturation. Um, they're spraying aluminum-coated fiberglass nanoparticles. They're spraying barium, strontium, and other uh, he heavy metals. A nano, by the way, is one 
one billionth of a part, and the particles are so small that we inhale them without even knowing it. And over the long term, this causes heavy metal poisoning, and it affects just about every part of our uh, body's system. So this is something that they've been toying with for decades. The technology just allowed them to start doing it with this uh, solar radiation management here in the last couple of decades. But the concept of using science and technology to control the weather and to control the atmosphere goes way back. Here's a big new Brzezinski from his book Between Two Ages in 1970 saying, quote, technology will make available to the leaders of major nations techniques for conducting secret warfare of which only a bare minimum of the security forces need be apprised. In other words, most people won't know about it. Techniques of weather modification could be employed to produce prolonged periods of drought or storm. Here's Defense Secretary William S. Cohen from a Department of Defense news briefing on Monday, April 28, 1997. He served under Clinton. And at this briefing, he says, some scientists in their laboratories are trying to devise certain types of pathogens that would be ethnic-specific so that they could just eliminate certain ethnic groups and races. By the way, they've been doing that forever in third world countries. Uh, thank you, Bill Gates. Uh, he goes on, others are design, designing some sort of engineering, some sort of insects that can destroy specific crops. Yep, they've been doing that. And then he says, others are engaging even in an eco-type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate set off earthquakes and volcanoes remotely, and I would add, he didn't say this, but we know this is true, steer hurricanes and, and intensify them through the use of electromagnetic uh, waves. So uh, I didn't have the slides in here. I thought I did, but I, I know I, I can see now that I didn't. But, you know, you go back to uh, Operation Popeye during the Vietnam War when the U.S. used cloud seeding to make it rain on the Ho Chi Minh Trail so that the, you know, the North Vietnamese would be flooded and wouldn't be able to do what they need to do, whereas when we went through, we'd have no problem. So this is not new. They've known scientifically that it's just a matter of degree. You know, the, the, uh, the atmosphere is a finite realm. You know, God's creation is infinite, and that's what's so amazing about God if you look, you know, at the galaxies and on and on and on. But the stratosphere around our Earth is, is finite. It seems large to us, but the earth is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And all it takes is just a matter of degree. You know, if you can, <clears throat> if you can make the mirrors in your bathroom fog up with condensation, just extrapolate from that the technology to make an entire region of the world rain, and they can do it. And so then it begs the question, why don't they make it rain when we have these fires? Because they started the fires. It's all by design. They are killers. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And that's what he comes to do, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And particularly in America, they want to bring down this country because we're the one country standing in the way of the one world system. Um, so these fires uh, are, are fire NATOs, they're, they're called. Um, this is, uh, you know, unbelievable. This uh, aluminum dust from geoengineering is fueling the super wildfires, according to the author. Listen to what he says, quote, Unprecedented levels of aluminum, aluminum and barium nanodust 
primary components and solar radiation management spraying, both of which are incendiary, are fueling the ferocity of the super wildfires. Millions of tons of aluminum and barium are being sprayed almost daily across the U.S., and this is a former Navy officer and UCLA graduate. He says, quote, just sprinkle aluminum or barium dust on a fire and see what happens. It's near explosive. When wildfires break out, the aluminum barium dust results in levels of fire intensity so great that it's caused firefighters to coin the new term fire NATOs. There have been, been forest fires since time began. Why are we now all of a sudden in the last few years seeing such intensity that, uh, you know, we've got a whole new term to describe it? Uh, and then it's, there are other impacts of it as well. We've got... Uh, 40% decline in the honeybee population. We've seen other plants and you know animals dying and suffering. Sea life is uh, suffering. Um, this is another study by the Yale School of Environment talking about the, the decline. Uh, here's that uh, Brigadier General that I mentioned, Air Force. Uh, these white aircraft spray trails are the result of scientifically verifiable spraying of aluminum particles and other toxic heavy metals, polymers, and chemicals. So I want to play a short clip here. It's about two minutes of a documentary uh, that you can get on YouTube. Uh, I think you might have to purchase the full documentary. This is the, uh, what do you call it, the teaser, the trailer. Uh, but it's called Hacking the Planet. Just watch. trails at altitudes far too low with far too low humidity to possibly produce any trail under any circumstances and yet we see horizon to horizon trails silvery white skies everything we know we would get with geoengineering we have you can't turn the condensation trail on and off even if you ignore the data look up We see these trails down 20,000 feet, sub 20,000 feet. The conditions necessary for a naturally occurring vapor trail cannot happen at those altitudes. We have film footage of these tankers spraying at altitude, military tankers, KC-10s, KC-135s, C-17 Globemasters. We have up close photographs of retrofit nozzles mounted on aircraft spraying directly into the exhaust stream to make it look like condensation. So uh, that's geoengineering, and I encourage you to read that chapter in uh, my uh, book. 
But they're also, as we talk about setting the stage atmospherically and geologically, poisoning the crops. Now, uh, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, we read that on the third day of creation, God created all the seeds necessary to sustain life. God created all food and all seeds perfect. God saw that it was very good, uh, just the way they were. Every fruit has its own seed in it, and farmers can take those seeds, or used to be able to anyway, and replant them for free in order to grow next season's crop. But what has happened is Monsanto has come in and patented the so-called terminator seeds, where after just one harvest, the seeds are infertile and can't be replanted. It's like an abortion for the seed. And so the farmer is contracted to go back to Monsanto year after year after year and buy new uh, seeds. Uh, but God's word says that the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields its seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. So uh, genetically modified food producers like Monsanto have a financial interest in geoengineering because it's multifaceted. It's never about what it's about. There are multiple layers to the deception and to the, the way they're using some of the things that they're doing, just like with uh, the pandemic, which it wasn't about the virus. It was about the vaccine. It's not about the vaccine. It's about the digital ID. It's not about the digital ID. It's about total planetary full spectrum control. So they make it about something else when really that's just, uh, you know, a drop in the bucket of where they're really heading. But by creating stress-resistant GMO seeds that grow in any climate, including even in drought and in flood, Monsanto basically has cornered the market on the world's food supply. Uh, they can cause severe and adverse weather conditions so that even if that mid-range, mid-level farmer who is awake to the reality of the Luciferian conspiracy and refuses to play ball with Monsanto kind of stiffens his neck and says, I'm going to do it my way, now all of a sudden your seeds aren't going to grow because you need more water. But ah, look at that, the Monsanto seeds, they work perfectly fine with less, uh, with less water. Uh, so they are poisoning the crops uh, as well. Uh, God's Word tells us that God has set natural universal laws in place in order to hold the universe together by His power. Colossians 1, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Notice, all things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. That's why we need not worry about global warming because God's, God's got this earth under his control. We have to be good stewards of it. We shouldn't intentionally harm the earth and dump poisons into the sea or dump gasoline down our storm drain, you know, stupid things like that. We, we're called to be good stewards, but you know, God's not going to allow this world to be utterly destroyed until he destroys it by fire someday. Uh, but attempting to modify the weather uh, through geoengineering is an attempt to usurp God's authority over creation. Mankind, following Satan's lead, wants to usurp God's authority and be like God. That's what the transhumanist agenda of the global elite is all about. Um, and that's, you know, what caused us to fall in the first place when Satan said, you will be like God. Just follow me and I'll make you like God. He tried to do the same thing with Jesus, remember? Bow down and worship me and you, all this will uh, be yours. But geoengineering is a satanically fueled plot involving Satan and his co-conspirators designed to destroy man and God's creation. 
Uh, it's just one of many ways that Satan has plotted to destroy us as part of his attempt to take over the world. But over and over again, the Bible reminds us that God is, in, is the one in control of the planet and the climate. The Bible teaches that God has his way in the whirlwind and the storm, as Nahum the prophet says. He alters the climate at his discretion and for his purposes. And any attempt to usurp his control is satanic. Uh, ultimately, Satan and his co-conspirators will be destroyed. Notice this from Revelation 11. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great. And watch this, that you should destroy those who destroy the earth. And that's what we see happening as the stage is being set. Not only the earth with strange sounds and, and increasing in earthquakes and all the other geological settings of the stage, not only the atmosphere with geoengineering and, and some of this other stuff, but they're also poisoning the water. And I wonder how many of you are familiar with this. I talk about it at length and give much more of the history of it in the Spirit of the Antichrist series. But the whole movement behind the water fluoridation uh, concept was uh, satanic to begin with and evil and nefarious to begin with. Uh, Fluoride chemicals are added to over 65% of municipal U.S. water supplies, um, and studies show fluoridation to be ineffective, health-robbing, and a waste of tax, dollar, tax dollars, and also very, very dangerous. Here's a former EPA scientist way back in 1992 saying, fluoridation is the greatest case of scientific fraud of this century. Now, let me just have you do a little experiment on your own to show that I'm not as crazy as you probably think I'm sounding right now. Go home and pick up your toothpaste, and I want you to look on the back, and of course it says the active ingredient is sodium fluoride. But then it lists a warning, keep out of reach of children under six years of age. If more than is used for brushing is accidentally swallowed, get medical help or contact poison control immediately. Here's another one. Um, active ingredient, sodium fluoride. A warning, keep out of reach of children. If you accidentally swallow more than is used for brushing, seek professional help or get call poison control immediately. This one's more specific. You're supposed to use a pea-sized amount, it says, but don't swallow it and keep it away from your children because if more than is used for brushing is accidentally swallowed, you need to call poison control. Well, a pea-sized amount of toothpaste has 0.5 milligrams of fluoride, which is the same as one to two glasses of fluoridated water. How many glasses of water are they telling you to drink per day? Eight. They're poisoning us. And we wonder why people aren't able to think as clearly. They're not analytical. They're not able to use critical thinking. They're easily manipulated. They're mind controlled. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in through mind controlled and the compulsory government schooling and, and all of that. So uh, the stage is definitely being set geologically and atmospherically. Before I open the floor to questions, let me just mention a couple of uh, resources that are available. First of all, I really, really strongly encourage you to go to prophecywatchers.com or just go to notbyworks.org and click the banner on our homepage there. And you owe it to yourself to purchase the full 30 video messages from 17 speakers at this weekend's conference. It was powerful. 
I've never been a part of anything like it. Uh, I mean, I, some of my guys I've looked up to for years were there. I got to sit into their sessions and got to talk with them. But just go to that website and click the, the link and just look at some of the speakers. My two messages are there, but that's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, there's some powerful stuff uh, that really is cutting edge and exposing what's going on as we look forward to the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, the Spirit of the Antichrist books are still available. There's still some out there in the lobby. I've got a couple of other end times books. Uh, my eschatology text, What Lies Ahead, a biblical overview of the end times, as well as another uh, book on the Luciferian conspiracy called The Great Last Days uh, Deception. Uh, so uh, lots of other free resources and materials. Uh, sign up for our podcast. We do five or six a week. Uh, we've got free videos, hundreds of them at the video page on our website, devotionals. I've not been able to write a new devotional the last two or three weeks because of the schedule, but I'm planning to get back into that this week. And over the next couple of weeks, you'll see some new content uh, written uh, there. So any uh, questions as we wrap up uh, tonight? Any comments or questions about anything we've talked about? Yes. Um, so are you saying that Satan has the power and ability to cause an earthquake? Absolutely. Not Satan, the government. <laughs> The question is, does Satan have the power and the ability to cause an earthquake? Satan does, and so does the government. Absolutely. Yeah. Through harp and through other technological means, and absolutely. So, yeah. Now, by the way, that's not to say that they're not organic natural disasters. There are. There absolutely are. Um, and I, but what I was getting at in the first part of tonight's presentation was showing that in large part, there's just an increase in the natural order of things showing that the earth is getting closer and closer to these birth pangs that we talked about. But absolutely, they have the scientific technology to create earthquakes, hurricanes, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mike. Pastor JB, we had biblical examples of that, of Satan being able to uh, do things in natural with the earth. Uh, the uh, apostles out there on the Sea of Galilee, I don't think that was a minor storm. I think they were trying to destroy... Oh, good point, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the speculation is that on the Sea of Galilee, perhaps that was Satan's attempt to try to drown and destroy the apostles, and Jesus came and showed his power over the, uh, the sea. The text doesn't say that, but we do uh, have other examples, for example, with the magicians in Pharaoh's day, replicating a lot of the types of things that God was doing. So we need to understand this is a cosmic battle. And the Bible very plainly tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the future Antichrist will use signs and wonders to deceive the world. And so, and, and I think we're seeing an upsurge in that most definitely. That's what chapters 9 and 10 in volume 2 are all about. Uh, Spiritoftheantichrist.org, uh, chapters 9 and, two in volume two, 9, 9 and 10 in volume 2 are about the, the spirit of phenomena, paranormal, all of these types of things on the upsurge. Yeah. Yes. Uh, on the contrail issue, where are the nanoparticles, where are the tanks that those are, where are they on the airplane? Uh, they've actually got pictures of them. If you watch the documentary or read some of the, the articles on it, they put them right in the, the you know, cargo hub down below. And that, they, there have been people that have been hired to put them on and then blown the whistle later before it became known. I mean, it's, this is not a fact in dispute, okay? This is completely done in the open. And you can Google it and you can find out what companies are building the barrels, building the hoses to connect them to the nozzles, 
you can you can probably get a job. Click on the bottom of the website and say employment opportunities, and you can get a job for one of these companies. Whoever they task with that job, it's I'm assuming it's probably automated. But back in the day, it was uh, again it was secret mechanics, and even some pilots weren't aware of it. I saw a video of a pilot who swore up and down, there's absolutely no way there's nozzles retrofitted to my 757. Went out back and looked, and it was. Yeah. What's that? Oil drains. Oil drains. There's certain parts of the engine department that have to have to drip. There's a certain amount of drippage of oil that comes through. Those are oil drains to pull that. So you're saying those nozzles that he was showing are oil drains? Well, I'll have to take your word for it, but I've, I've had, you know, there are hundreds of other pilots on record that are saying something different. So, but yeah, there's no question. Again, this is, there's government documents and, and there's uh, congressional hearings talking about regulating it. I mean, you can just go to C-SPAN and .com and, and Google it and you can watch some of the hearings. Are they regulating how much you can spray, how much at one time and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, this is just a statement. So, so they're like the C-130 retardant tanks that they, they put all over their track. Well, I understand that, but that's a very specific airplane for a very specific use, not commercial airliners and stuff like that. Yeah. Somebody else, yeah. I'm just wondering about the crews and the pilots that are on these planes. Um, do they know, you know, if I were airline crew and I knew I was on a plane as a job that was poisoning my loved ones down below, that would be a hard job to keep. Yeah, again, these days, most of it is either drones or private aircraft uh, for that specific purpose, that are actually made to do the geoengineering, the, the solar radiation management. Lower, the drones and stuff, they're talking about how they're getting lower and lower and lower. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I don't, I haven't really looked into what altitudes they fly at. I mean, you can see them; they're certainly not at thirty-five thousand feet most of the time. Um, so, uh, but you know, you see the patterns. There's the tic-tac-toe patterns. I mean. I've flown for a living. I was top tier status with United and Delta both for years. I've never seen, you know, planes fly, you know, like this and like this and like this. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, so again, this is the we we were way ahead of the game as were a lot of other people talking about this 15 years ago. Uh, now it's kind of not even a fact in dispute because they they use other technology. I'm not even sure if they still use commercial aircraft to do it anymore. I don't think they do. They don't have to. So, somebody else. Yeah. I know a little bit about mechanics. And a, uh, a jet engine that was loose in 1912 would crack. The lens of the motor would blow up. So, I mean, you know, these things go... What, what, would, what would cause it to crash? The loss of that kind of oil. I mean, it's not even... It's a jet engine... Well, I don't think he was saying that that was oil. He was just saying that what, what we showed on the screen or what that documentary showed on the screen... He's claiming is not a retrofitted nozzle to spray nanoparticles. It was an oil, uh, what'd you call it? Just, a, just an oil, oil drain. drain. Drain, yeah. Then they have that many of them on all all four engines and stuff, or well, like one or two from. You know, you've got about six departments. Yeah. That all yeah. bearings are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I'm not a pilot, so I certainly can't can't speak to that. But I I know that. Uh, uh, there's no question that they used commercial aircraft to spray nanoparticles. That's on record. So, anybody else? Yes. Are you supposed to use a 
but it's so hard when you see, um, you know, what's going to happen to our family, to our friends. I don't know if you want to have any. So the comment is, I know we're supposed to look forward to the Lord's return. And absolutely, that's what the study of Bible prophecy does, is it motivates us to eagerly wait for his return, that apek decamai that's used seven times to refer to the rapture and uh, in the scriptures, and to look for the blessed hope. And it does remind us that someday Christ is going to rescue us before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Uh, as far as those left behind, that's why there is an urgency uh, to the gospel, and that's why at NBW Ministries and Plum Creek Chapel, we share the gospel every every service. We talk about how you can only be saved by faith alone in Christ alone, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sins. So uh, it is uh, it is uh, difficult to think about those who are left behind. Um, you know, we have a little placard that we have available at Not By Works that is for those who are left behind. It explains the gospel and explains what's happened. Uh, you know, hopefully those who are left behind, there will be untold millions from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language who do believe the gospel after the rapture and get saved. So, but today's the day of salvation, and that's why uh, we need to pray for our lost friends and family, and we need to, um, you know, share the gospel with them. And, uh, you know, my little book, The Gospel Unplugged, is a simple five-chapter, 80 pages. You can read it in one hour or less, a presentation of the gospel. And I, I think if, if you could pick up some of those or some of the gospel tracts we have out there and, and give them to your friends. But, yeah. I have several family members that I'm, unfortunately, I believe it will take the rapture to get their attention. They've been told so much and I grew up under it. I've, I've been praying that they would survive the aftermath of the rapture so they'd stay alive long enough to come to the Lord in that moment. Is that okay? Well, of course. I mean, if they, I, I mean, it's better to pray that they come to the Lord. Yeah, right. Absolutely. No, I know exactly what you mean. So, so we pray for them. Pray for the Holy Spirit to convict them of their need for a Savior and for them to respond in faith to the gospel today. If they don't, then you pray that somehow they'll they'll survive the aftermath. By the way, in at the conference this weekend, in in our prophecy night a few weeks ago. When we talked about numbering the dead and the depopulation agenda, I don't know if you were here or watched that one, but we did some speculating and some, well, I massaged that a little bit more. I'm always kind of thinking through it and reworking stuff. And so at the conference, I included in that list of calculations just what you said, those who die as an immediate aftermath of the rapture. Because you got to remember, if let's say there's 8 billion people in the world and let's just be generous and say 2 billion are Christians, if two billion people suddenly disappear, I mean, think about the car accidents, the plane crashes, the people sitting at the controls of nuclear facilities, just all helicopter. I mean, you name it. It could be. It could be. There's going to be all kinds of collateral damage. Uh, but the Bible tells us that uh, during the tribulation, God is going to set aside 144,000 Jewish missionaries whose job it is to spread the gospel. And there will be a great harvest of souls that comes out of the tribulation. So we pray that anyone left behind that that we know and love, we pray that they would believe the gospel if they are left behind. But we want to believe the gospel today. Right. And if you're listening to this or watching the live stream or watching this video after the fact uh, and you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. It's so simple a child can understand it. You simply trust in the only one 
with the power to give life and the power to forgive sin. He died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. And if you'll trust him and him alone, he will forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. Someone else. Did I see a hand over here? Yeah. Yeah. So what, would you, what do you think that is? Who knows? I, and, or the bangs. And... I, you know, I, I just think it's, some, it's something not of this world. And it could be uh, the groanings of the earth. It could also be, you know, some type of demonic manifestation because the battles are heating up. When things are heating up on earth, remember I've said many times, that means they're heating up in the heavenlies, in the unseen realm. And they're clearly heating up on earth. I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock not to see that. So uh, it's hard to say. I think there are a number of possibilities of what those noises and those trumpets and things could be. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the comment is it's just uh, really seems to be happening very quickly. And it is. That's, that's, you know, that's why I believe, and I, I talk about this in the chapter on the Luciferian timetable, in their own game plan. They've released it. We know what their game plan is. They want to usher in the one world political, religious, and, and uh, economic system by 2030. They're trying hard to do that. Doesn't mean they're going to succeed, but it's helpful to kind of know what the enemy's planning. Because the Lord might, at some point, the Lord's going to call the church home, and then we're going to, you know, shift into the end game. That's, you know, that 16% of Bible prophecy that's, that's you know, unfulfilled. So, uh, it, and I just feel like it is happening rapidly, but, you know, who knows? I hope for the sake of my children, the Lord intervenes, and if the rapture's not going to happen soon, I hope that, you know, we see a reprieve and a, a window because uh, they've tried before. They tried after World War II. Uh, they've tried many times. You know, you could think of going all the way back to Egypt and Assyria and Persia and Babylon and Rome and Greece. So we don't know. We don't have the mind of the Lord, but we, we certainly are doing what the Lord tells us to do, which is to look at the signs of the times. And, and there are more because, you know, when you look at the digital currency. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the digital currency is a big sign of it. Yes. Who are you know going to die like probably Klaus Schwab will be dead in maybe twenty years? Do, do they have oh. some sort of? Because he's like in his eighties. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the people that do all this Satan worship and all the things are trying to take down America, do they are they being promised something by Satan like eternal life with him? Or sure. Why put in all the effort? Like what? Yeah. Is, what is Satan promised Adam and Eve, "You will not die." That's what he told them. Okay, so, so they absolutely are trying to create eternal life. And they've been doing this even before transhumanism got its name. They've been trying ways to do this, weird kind of brain surgeries and cryogenics and all this. So they want to create life that is not susceptible to death. That To them, that's the holy grail. That's the one frontier that they cannot and never will be able to conquer because God created life out of nothing. He spoke the world into existence, the eternal Godhead. And they're, they're trying hard to replicate life. Satan's an imposter. Uh, everything he does is twisting what God meant for good and turning it for evil. So that's their agenda. I think they are deceived. 
Remember, evil men and impostors are getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, I think the, at the upper echelons, as I talked about uh, this weekend and previously here at Prophecy Night, uh, they are communicating directly with Satan and getting their marching orders from him, so they're deceived. Um, but I think uh, Klaus, that's why Klaus Schwab in particular is so urgently trying to get this across the finish line so that he'll at least have a taste of it. But he probably thinks that, that they're so close uh, and I played some clips at my conference uh, uh, message. And by the way, again, I can't emphasize enough, you know, how valuable it would be for you guys. I don't get anything off of this. This is just Prophecy Watchers. But, man, I wish I could have every one of you with me at that conference listening to what some of these guys are saying. Of course, we're not going to agree on every detail. You know, there's variance of opinions on certain biblical passages and so forth. But the overarching message was powerful. Um, but, you know, they... They really believe that they are on the cusp of, you know, overcoming death and through brain computer interface and the biodigital convergence coming up with a way to live forever. So they're actually being deceived by Satan. Oh, yeah. Like they're following him thinking. Absolutely. Somehow, but in the end, they're probably. Yep. And the worst kind of, they're being deceived, absolutely, and the worst kind of deception is self-deception, so they're deceiving themselves, too. Anybody else? Yes? So, at the conference, was there something that really stood out to you that anybody said? Was there, the question is, was there something at the conference that really stood out to me? Um, well, it started out with a bang for me. I mean, it really did because I followed Billy Crone forever and he was the first one up. And it was funny because I had prepared my messages. I didn't speak till Friday and this started Thursday night. And having never spoken at this conference, I wasn't quite sure how far I could go. I mean, I had an idea because a lot of these speakers I know and I've followed and read their stuff and listened to their stuff. So I had some idea, but still, you never really know. So I, I didn't want to go too far because a lot of times when I speak around the country there or, or when I do radio and TV interviews, they'll say up front in the pre before we start the recording, they'll say, hey, do me a favor, steer clear of this or steer clear of that or that's a hot potato. And I'm happy to oblige. I don't want to, I just want to get the message out and get the gospel out. If a particular ministry is not in lockstep with what I believe on certain issues, say like the vaccines or whatever, I, I, and they ask me to, I'm not going to make trouble. There's plenty of other stuff in the books that I can talk about, right? So anyway, I not having been there before, I, I wasn't quite sure. So, But after I heard Billy and Brandon, who were Thursday night, went back up to my hotel room and I added a few slides because I thought, <laughs> ah, I can tell in this crowd, I'm not going to have to worry about that. But Billy, in particular, kind of wasn't anything new per se, but it was it was fresh in the sense that I hadn't really thought about it for a while because I haven't been doing a lot of talking about uh, the, the vaccine. But he talked a lot in his first session about you know uh, die, people dying suddenly and, and and all of that. It was it was almost brought me to tears. It was very powerful. Wendy, you can attest to that, right? You were there. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yes. 
You were talking about Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> you said if those things happen, the pestilences and whatever, we were in the tribulation, right? So do you see a parallel between that and the Revelation chapter 6 or the parallel passage? Yes. So the comment is the Matthew 24 passage and comparing that to the seal judgments. So in my chart book and also in What Lies Ahead, my textbook, I have a chart that actually compares Matthew 24, 4 to 25 with Revelation 6, point by point. And I've got one of those too, and I agree with that. Yeah. I, just, I just want to make sure that's what you were alluding to or talking about. Yeah, so what I said was the <clears throat> birth pangs that Jesus is referring to are the things that will happen during the tribulation. But, you know, Paul tells us, using the same word, that there are birth pangs going on now. Which is the lead-up, the, lead the setting of the state. So I'm not suggesting that we're in the tribulation, obviously, because, uh, as you know, we believe the rapture happens before the tribulation, 1 Thess 1.10 and 1 Thess 5.9. Um, but if we see these types of things, like famine, pestilences, and earthquakes, increasing then it's just a short step to say, oh, in other words, it's, it's not going to be a uh, sudden change when the tribulation happens. It's going to be a incremental, we're getting, we're, we're getting it there. I called it the, the totalitarian tiptoe. Uh, Jan Markell calls it the trending toward the tribulation, right? So we're seeing a gradual uh, thing. I make the comment in the book quoting from, uh, I think it's one of Hemingway's, uh, books, I think. I could be wrong about the author, but it's a, a, a famous author, and he talks about how one of the characters went bankrupt, and another character in the book asked him, well, how did you go bankrupt? And he said two ways. First, suddenly. I mean, first gradually, then suddenly. So I think there's going to be a sudden shift, obviously, uh, after the rapture, and things will really heat up, but right now we're in that gradual part. So yeah, just to clarify... In my view, and I, I, there are people that would disagree with this, and I respect that, but the, the Olivet Discourse is holy Jewish, holy tribulation, holy 70th week of Daniel in nature. But the birth pang, and the birth pangs, as I showed you going back to Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, are a specific reference to that period of the Lord's wrath leading up to the second coming. But there are other passages, like Romans 8, that speak of, use the same metaphor to talk about the earth groaning, uh, and so I think we're setting the stage as we see these things happen more and more. Thanks, Thanks for clarifying that. Did someone else thought I saw some? I, yeah. I kinda, I was, that's more of a statement, actually. I was thinking to myself as, as you're talking here. Um, I'm, I think you and I talked. I'm fairly new in Christianity, a couple of years. That's about it. <clears throat> but I actually came to a lot of these conclusions through the study of the financial world that I've studied since I was in the third grade. What a mess. Mm -hmm. Fraudulent reserve to yep. you know, and all, all the, the central banking, the family behind that, et cetera, and so forth. Um, I know when uh, my wife Lisa took and started introducing uh, me to this, I was like, oh my gosh, I married a quack. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the more I look into it, it actually, and I'm an engineering type, I don't believe things real easily and that kind of thing. Um, the more I look into it, there's a lot there. There really is, and I think it's great that you're sharing this. Yeah, no, well, I appreciate it, yeah. Um, and I, I think I mentioned in a previous Prophecy Night that I got to, on this trip, yeah. go to Jekyll Island, the, where they founded right. the Federal Reserve, right. and take right. some pictures, so that was pretty amazing. So, 
All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Again, always watch the email. And if you don't get our emails, please go to notbyworks.org or plumcreekchapel.org and sign up. Because with the weather, it's a little bit unpredictable. Even today, we were a little bit wondering how it's going to play out. Unfortunately, it worked out. But I'd hate for someone to drive here next Tuesday only to find out that the weather preempted it. But Lord willing, I'll be here for the next two or three Tuesdays. So we'll see you next Tuesday.